Pico Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. EcoReport is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to EcoReport for WFHB I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. And now for today's environmental news brief. From WFHB, this is your environmental news brief for Thursday, October 21st. I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. Indiana University has recently joined the Midwest Climate Adaption Science Center, which is an organization of universities and natural resource agencies that is focused on supporting scientific discoveries that will help Midwestern states respond to the climate crisis. The Midwest CASC will fund individual research projects that will center on this adaption to climate and particularly how it will affect the tribal communities of the Midwest. The program hopes to share the knowledge learned to rural areas throughout the Midwest to help those areas become more prepared for the effects of climate change. Last week, President Biden appointed Deborah Shore, a wastewater treatment official from the Chicago area, as the new director of the Environmental Protection Agency's Midwest office, which encompasses Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, and Wisconsin. The Midwest office coordinates work between the states and promotes efforts to clean and protect shared areas of the Midwest, such as the rivers and the Great Lakes. Recently, the focus of the organization has been on dealing with wastewater pollution and contamination of drinking water. This appointment represents President Biden's bold plan to address environmental issues through an approach of reinforcing the power of governmental organizations such as the Environmental Protection Agency. One of the key environmental policies in President Biden's Build Back Better reconciliation package is likely to be cut due to opposition from West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin. The main environmental policy is called the Clean Electricity Performance Program, which would offer $150 billion total to energy suppliers who make the switch away from fossil fuels and to renewable energy sources. Climate experts have cited this program as being one of the most significant policies that could prevent global temperatures from rising above 1.5 degrees Celsius, which is a threshold that, when crossed, will result in the most dangerous effects of climate change. It is important to note that Senator Joe Manchin benefits financially from the coal industry, so left-leaning Democratic politicians believe this to be the root of his opposition. These politicians are planning to protest Manchin's decision. That's all for your environmental news brief. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. In today's feature report, Indiana environmental reporters Enrique Sanz talks about the date proposal for the closing of the Rockport Power Plant. That's coming up later in the program. 
Lake Michigan, the source of drinking water for millions of people, has taken a beating lately from the U.S. steel plant in Portage, Indiana. In late September, the plant spilled iron-containing wastewater into the Burns Waterway, which empties into the lake. Then, less than two weeks later, the plant released an oily sheen onto the Lake Michigan tributary. The sheen was identified on Burns Waterway on a Thursday morning, but was no longer present in the tributary by evening. A boom had created the sheen in an area of about 120 square feet. A company spokesperson said the sheen was not seen entering the lake and the cause of the discharge was under investigation by the Department of Environmental Management. The plant halted operations for hours but returned to normal by Thursday night. However, the Indiana Dunes National Park closed access to the lake off the nearby Portage Lakefront and Riverwalk, and a spokesperson noted that though visitors can still go to the lakefront, they weren't allowed to enter the water. The nearby town of Ogden Dunes also shut down access to Lake Michigan from its beach, though its water treatment facility remained in operation. When U.S. Steel had discharged the wastewater in September, the water treatment facility stopped operating for about a week. The company had had another spill four years ago. A coalition of over 20 local and national groups with an interest in Lake Michigan's shoreline implored Indiana leaders to increase their efforts to protect the lake from industrial accidents. In an October 1st letter, the coalition sent to Eric Holcomb, the coalition commented, quote, it is clear that Indiana's system of water pollution control regulation is broken, end quote. Station WVEP reports the Elkhart County Commissioners voted to deny the needed zoning changes for a proposed solar farm project. That's after the County Council unanimously approved the project's economic development agreement a few days earlier. The $120 million project by Kansas City-based energy firm Savion would have built a solar farm on 850 acres of agricultural land south of Millersburg. It would have generated up to 150 megawatts of power, enough for almost 16,000 homes. The company had secured 30-year leases with the two property owners, and if they decided not to renew, the land would have been returned with the equipment removed. The project would have brought in almost $22 million in property taxes over 35 years. The Economic Development Agreement for the project was approved unanimously by the Elkhart County Council. It also had support from the county's Economic Development Corporation and the Planning Commission. The next step was zoning changes for the land, but the Elkhart County Commissioners voted unanimously to reject those changes. The project was canceled because of the concerns over property values and worries that the project would ruin the area's rural character. It is not known whether the citizens are aware of the value of putting sheep into solar panel fields. The sheep keep the grass short, and people will know the area is ruled with their noses. Environmental justice activists angered top Biden administration officials by sending a blitz of 5,600 form letter emails over a 58-hour period to the White House, closing down some government communications for two days in August. A coalition of environmental justice groups called Stop the Money Pipeline is behind the blitz. According to Politico, quote, the contretemps over the email blast 
symbolizes the administration's challenges in satisfying the left-wing, mostly non-white movement, calling for significant clean energy, public transportation, environmental cleanup, and workforce investments in low-income neighborhoods and communities of color, end quote. The Biden administration invited members of Stop the Money Pipeline to meet with senior members of the White House Council on Environmental Quality to discuss their concerns, but the coalition declined the invitation, saying its member groups were already in close communication with administration officials and that the issue was action, not talk. Many prominent activists told political that they remain resentful because the White House is doing too little to advance their agenda. Dallas Goldtooth, an organizer with the Indigenous Environmental Network, a Native American organization that's part of Stop the Money Pipeline, said of the Biden administration, quote, they are taking for granted the tens of thousands of people who are part of this climate movement and the countless frontline communities that are in danger. It's going to come back to bite them in the butt if they don't step up. End quote. The New York Times reports the most powerful part of President Biden's climate agenda, a program to rapidly replace the nation's coal and gas-fired power plants with wind, solar, and nuclear energy, will likely be dropped from the massive budget bill pending in Congress, according to congressional staffers and lobbyists familiar with the matter. Senator Joe Manchin has told the White House that he strongly opposes the clean electricity program. As a result, White House staffers are now rewriting the legislation without that climate provision and are trying to cobble together a mix of other policies that could also cut emissions. A White House spokesperson declined to comment on the specifics of the bill, saying the White House is laser-focused on advancing the President's climate goals and positioning the United States to meet its emission targets in a way that grows domestic industries and good jobs. Manchin has a vested and long-standing interest in the coal industry as a senator from West Virginia. The state is second in the nation in coal production, and coal is part of its identity. Between 2011, the year covered by his first Senate disclosure filing, and 2020, Manchin raked in a total of over $5 million in dividend income from InterSystems, a coal and energy resource company he founded in 1988 before entering the public sector. Manchin has held up progress on Biden's proposals for months and in the end is unwilling to make steps to avoid climate catastrophe. Indiana politicians are also unwilling to move on from coal. On October 7th, over 330 scientists wrote to President Biden imploring him to use his executive authority to halt all new fossil fuel projects and proclaim a climate emergency. Without those actions, the scientists said, we can't avoid the worst harms from the climate crisis and provide environmental justice. The sponsors of the letter to Biden are two well-known public health and climate scientists, Drs. Sandra, or Sandra Steingraber and Peter Kalmus, and the National Environmental Advocacy Organization's Center for Biological Diversity and Food and Water Watch. Dr. Steingraber said, quote, U.S. scientists are done speaking calmly in the face of inaction. Terrified by our own data, we stand in solidarity with the people versus fossil fuels mobilization during the week of October 11th and its demands. For President Biden, listening to science means acting on science. 
It means stopping new fossil fuel projects, opposing industry delay tactics, and declaring a national climate emergency, end quote. The letter urges Biden to end fossil fuel expansion by stopping new fracking and drilling on public lands and in public waters, halting the approval of fossil fuel infrastructure projects, and terminating fossil fuel exports and subsidies. The letter emphasizes that black, brown, indigenous, and poor communities are at the front line of climate disasters and bear the brunt of severe health problems that fossil fuel pollution causes. Ending the fossil fuel era, the letter adds, it is imperative to protect frontline communities. After 50 years of warnings about the hazards of excessive heat for workers, the federal government is finally doing something about it. The Biden administration just announced a multi-agency plan to protect workers from extreme heat. The primary piece of the plan involves the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, or OSHA, which is working on a new rule ensuring that workers are protected from the heat. Julie Fulcher, worker health and safety advocate at Public Citizen, has spent years urging the government to set a heat standard for workers. According to her, quote, there are things employers need to do when temperatures are about 100 degrees, but then you also need to do something when it gets to about 90 degrees. If it's hard labor that you do, such as the case with agricultural and construction workers, you've got to look at even 80 degrees as a danger, end quote. Other high-risk jobs are in warehouses, factories, and kitchens. OSHA is creating a working group under the National Advisory Committee on Occupational Safety and Health stressing heat injury and illness prevention. One problem, Fulcher says, is that the government acts slowly. On average, it takes eight years to implement new rules, and she urged officials to hasten the process. A study released last month found that around the world, heat-related deaths increased 70 percent from 1980 to 2016. With the climate crisis increasing heat even further, the need to act is urgent. Six Native American tribes have sued the state of Wisconsin to attempt to halt its planned gray wolf hunt in November. The tribes claim that the hunt would violate their treaty rights and endanger an animal they consider sacred. As Marvin Defoe, an official and elder of the Red Cliff Band of the Lake Superior Chippewa Indians, said in a statement, quote, to us, the wolves are our brothers. The legends and stories tell us, as brothers, we walk hand in hand together. What happens to the wolves happens to humanity, end quote. The Chippewa tribes say treaties give them rights to half the quota of hunted wolves in territory they ceded to the U.S. in the mid-19th century. However, they don't want to hunt wolves, but to protect them. During a court-ordered wolf hunt in February, the State Department of Natural Resources set a quota of 119, but hunters killed 218 wolves in only four days, thus forcing an early end to the killing. Wisconsin's wolf population is about 1,000 animals. Opponents of the hunt say hunters probably killed at least a quarter of the population if poaching is included. The environmental nonprofit Earth Justice is representing the tribes and is one of several organizations suing the federal government over the Trump administration's decision to end Endangered Species Act protections for gray wolves across most of the country and restore management authority to the states. A story in the New York Times reports new monarch behavior. 
Butterflies seem gentle as they flutter from plant to plant, but some may be more murderous than you can imagine. Naturalists recently witnessed several species of milkweed butterfly harassing, subduing, and subsequently feeding on milkweed caterpillars, presumably to get their fill of toxic alkaloids inside the larva. This behavior was described in an article in the journal Ecology. The authors of the paper say they are unaware of similar behavior being documented among other butterflies, or any insects for that matter. They are so closely related. Although butterflies had previously been observed feeding on grasshoppers that harbor toxic alkaloids, no one had ever documented adult butterflies stealing such compounds from their own kin. A common reason communities in Indiana reject solar power is that the panels are viewed as disrupting the rural look. People prefer looking at corn. However, there is a new concept in solar that is still in the research phase, which if successful, could move solar panels from the field. Windows could become solar panels. A new transparent solar cell design could marry high efficiencies with 30-year estimated lifetimes. The research is led by Stephen Forrest of the University of Michigan. Quote, solar energy is about the cheapest form of energy that humankind has ever produced since the Industrial Revolution, end quote, said Forrest, distinguished university professor of electrical engineering. He said, with these windows, your building becomes a power plant. While silicone remains king for solar panel efficiency, it isn't transparent. For window-friendly solar panels, researchers have been exploring organic or carbon-based materials. The challenge for Forrest's team was how to prevent very efficient organic light-converting materials from degrading quickly during use. Solar cells made with the new cells can achieve silicon rivaling efficiencies of 18%, but they do not last as long. The team, including researchers at North Carolina State University and Tianjin University in China, set out to change that. In their experiments, they showed that without protecting the sunlight converting material, the efficiency fell to less than 40% of its initial value within 12 weeks under the equivalent of one sun's illumination. By studying the nature of the degradation in those unprotected solar cells, the team recognized that they only needed shoring up in a few places. First, they need to block out UV light. For that, they added a layer of zinc oxide, a common sunscreen ingredient, on the sun-facing side of the glass. Several other elements were added to improve the lifetime of the cells. The team then tested their new design under different intensities of simulated sunlight, from the typical one sun up to the light of 27 suns, and temperatures up to 150 degrees Fahrenheit. By studying how the performance degraded under these conditions, the team extrapolated that the solar cells would still be running at 80% efficiency after 30 years. This is an exciting direction of research. Obviously, it will be a few years before it will be known if it will become a successful technology. Researchers at the National Science Foundation's Summit Station recently observed rainfall for the first time on record. Summit Station is a year-round staff's research station near the apex of the Greenland Ice Sheet. The station is located at 10,551 feet above sea level.
The population of the station is typically five in wintertime and has a maximum of 38 in the summer. Temperatures around the summit rose above freezing on August 20th, and the rain event began at the same time. The start of that rain marked the start of a three-day period during which above freezing temperatures and rainfall were widespread to the south and west of Greenland. People are so eager to acquire Bengay cardinal fish for their home aquariums that they're depleting the population of those tiny iridescent creatures in their native coral reefs of Indonesia. For the past three decades, cardinal fish have been taken from the wild at an alarming rate to be shipped around the world to become pets. 90% of the wild population of cardinal fish were removed from the ocean in under 15 years to supply the aquarium trade, and they're still in decline. They've been completely exterminated in several places where they were once common, and the remaining populations are small and fragmented. The U.S. is the world's greatest importer of aquarium fish and a leading consumer of cardinal fish. Though the species is listed under the Endangered Species Act, it's still legal to import and sell them in the U.S. If the situation continues, cardinal fish could become extinct in the wild. The U.S. can do something to sustain those fragile beings. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Fisheries can ban the import and sale a Bengay cardinal fish before it's too late. And now for our feature, IER reporter Enrique Sanz reports on the date proposal for closing the Rockport power plant. Hoosiers could soon be breathing easier. A proposed deal between utility companies, local governments, and advocacy groups could finalize the date one of the most carbon-emitting power plants in the state will close. The Indiana Utility Regulatory Commission will consider a settlement agreement to close Unit 2 at Indiana-Michigan Power Company's Rockport Generating Station by 2028. Unit 2 is the last coal-fired electric generating unit at the plant without a retirement date. American Electric Power Generating Company, Indiana-Michigan Power's parent company, previously announced it would retire the plant's coal-fired Unit 1 by 2028. If approved by the IURC, the deal would ensure the complete closure of the plant. The groups involved are calling the deal a significant victory. Over the past decade, the Rockport plant has emitted more than 134 million metric tons of greenhouse gases. According to data reported to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, emissions peaked in 2012 with 17.9 million metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent gases being emitted in a single year. The plant also emitted thousands of pounds of toxic chemicals every year, including hydrofluoric acid, hydrochloric acid, sulfuric acid, and many others. The Rockport power plant at one point ranked fourth in the nation for total greenhouse gas emissions and 44th for toxic releases out of thousands of power plants in the U.S., making it one of four other heavily polluting power plants in southwestern Indiana to receive the super polluter designation by the Center for Public Integrity and the Weather Channel. These are the state's super polluters, the Rockport plant, AES Indiana's Petersburg Generating Station, Duke Energy's Gibson Power Plant, and the Alcoa Centerpoint Energy Generating Unit in Warwick County. They are all within 30 miles of Evansville, Indiana. The settlement agreement that could fully shutter the Rockport plant also includes other stipulations that could improve air quality in the state. 
The agreement requires that Indiana-Michigan Power complete an analysis to determine whether customers will save money if the company retires Rockport Unit 1 in 2024, 2025, or 2026, potentially speeding up its closure. The company would also be required to consider all resources, including renewable energy, before seeking approval of new generating sources to fulfill future energy needs arising for the retirement of Units 1 and 2. Indiana-Michigan Power will have to model a scenario within its current 20-year planning process that removes coal-fired power plants it partially owns in Indiana and Ohio. The companies and other parties involved in the agreement have asked the IURC to schedule a hearing for the agreement October 18th and hope to have the agreement fully approved by December 15th. I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at EcoReport, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in south-central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for our events calendar. Enjoy a fall foliage hike at the Payne Town State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake on Sunday, October 31st, that's Halloween, from 1.30 to 2.30 p.m. Meet at the trailhead to join the naturalist for a guided stroll along the Tree Trek Trail to learn about leaf color change and search for signs of autumn animal, autumn animal activity. Please plan to arrive on time. The Full Hunter Moon Hike will take place at Spring Mill State Park on Friday, October 22nd from 8 to 10 p.m. Meet Volunteer Anthony at the Spring Mill Inn front patio for a beautiful full moon hike on Rugged Trail 4. Learn the history and folklore of the Hunter Moon. Dress for the weather and bring a headlamp if you think you will need it. Get scared as you take a spooky folklore hike at Spring Mill State Park on Friday, October 29th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Meet volunteer Anthony at the Lakeview Activity Center for an evening hike and hear three spooky local folklore tales. Buried Treasure of Sam Bass, Tunnelton Tunnel Watchman, and Chain on the Tombstone of Bonds Chapel. This will be a rugged two-mile hike on trails 2, 4, and 1. You can help plant local trees and shrubs throughout the Matlock Heights neighborhood on Saturday, October 30th from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. Local trees and shrubs help local wildlife live and thrive. This is an excellent volunteer opportunity for groups. Make sure you have a mask with you if you cannot social distance. Contact Sarah Owen at Parksvold, that's P-A-R-K-S-V-O-L, at bloomington.in.gov to volunteer.
And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Enrique Sands. David Lyman assembled the script and Linda Green and Patrick Callahan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Patrick Callahan produced and engineered today's show. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Cynthia Roberts. And this is Eco Report.